experience for me, so if you guys will go through it with me, I'll, I'll do my best on this end. Just wanted to let you know as well that this week we're not going to do live worship, but our plan is that by next week we're going to do uh, live worship and keep our social distancing. And so we'll meet here at the church and we'll just a few people will come to play so we can have some worship and then the message will all be online. So yeah, that's what we're going to do for worship. If you'd like, we did post some links on YouTube with lyric videos and music videos of some songs that were going to be the worship songs for this week. And you can check those out, listen to them. Please do spend some time in worship at home. That's probably more important than anything uh, I have to say is spending time with him and just uh, being with him and worshiping and enjoying that. So that's what we'll do for worship next week. We'll hopefully have that live going. Um, one thing I wanted to let you guys know that we're doing as a church right now is if uh, you guys have elastics, the little tiny rubber elastics, I forget the exact sizes they were looking for. I should have wrote it down. But they're looking for elastics because they're making face masks for people at the hospital. And if you guys uh, have elastics that can help with uh, them putting together these masks, that's the thing, the one supply that they're waiting on to be able to make a bunch more. I think they made uh, several hundred so far to give to the hospital and different nursing homes like Hale Nui Nui and stuff, and they're very thankful for those. So that's been kind of cool that the sewing bees are still going and still doing, uh, serving the community and now in a new and awesome way. Uh, so if you guys have the little adjust or the elastics that'll go on the back of the face masks, the ones that go around your ears. If you have any of those, please uh, contact Janella or uh, Yolanda. A couple things also going on this week. We are doing small groups all online. If you have checked out, uh, oh, Jenny just told me, quarter inch or one eighth inch elastics. That's what they're looking for. Um, so what's going on this week? We're doing small groups and we're doing them all online through a, or a program called Zoom. And with Zoom, what you do is you just have the program on your computer, and you've, uh, if you have a webcam or audio, you can uh, see and talk. If not, you can just join and listen. But it's a great way. You can see all the nice little cameras, and everyone can chat together. It's really fun. And so we're going to be doing those small groups. And the different Bible studies that you can plug into is Tuesday nights. Daniel will be doing his Tough Topics discussion. He's going to be continuing uh, doing that. And so if you're interested in getting with that, please let us know. Wednesdays, we're doing the small group Bible study that Rebecca has been doing through the Purple Book. They are still meeting. They meet online. That is a great one to get plugged into if Wednesday night works better for you. And Thursdays, we're going to be starting uh, the Alpha program. And if you haven't heard about the Alpha program, it's a great way for people to um, learn about the Christian faith as a, as a seeker from somebody who doesn't know anything about God, but just knows there's meaning to life and wants to know more. And so it takes you right from that stage all the way through the different aspects of faith. And by the end, they have a very solid foundation. So Alpha is a wonderful course. If you've been a believer for many years, you might think, well, that's not a course for me. No, it still is a wonderful resource for you to learn how to... Uh, it's a wonderful resource to learn how to minister to those that don't know. You can learn the conversation topics and the questions you ask and how to respond well for somebody who's uh, still seeking. And so the Alpha course, we're going to, we already have a small group. I think there's already several people in there. There might be room for a couple more. Um, but if you guys wanted to get involved with that, that'll be Thursday nights. 
If more and more people get involved, we'll start more and more small groups with that as well. We could have multiple groups uh, meeting for Alpha. There's a youth program uh, for teens, and I can lead that. So if you're interested in small groups, we are still meeting. Please check us out. Uh, connect with us. Let us know, and we will connect you with one of the groups that's going on. And if you're not technically savvy and you're not really sure about how to do the Zoom stuff, feel free to give me an email or a message. I can walk you through it on the phone. It's actually really easy. Hey, Elizabeth. Hey, how's it? Oh, I don't Oh, I'd look like they were waving at me. Hey, Lucy. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you guys want to get involved with that, please email me. I'll help set you up. It's a lot of fun, and it's a great time. I did it the other day. You can meet with everyone. All right, so please sign up. I'll Zoom you. And then the last thing I also just wanted to make a note of is because we're not having service and the service is uh, empty and you can't come here in person, if you want to continue with your tithes and offerings, please do. But we just ask that you do it online. We have a link on our website if you go to hmcohana.org. And then along the top, there's a tab you can click on the Give and you can do it all online now. And so I just wanted to let you guys know about that as well. So yeah, that's kind of uh, some of the resources and info that's going on right now. And before I hop into the Word, I just wanted to uh, open us up in a word of prayer. So let's all pray. Father, we just thank you in the name of Jesus that uh, you are powerful, that you are good, and that you have created a wonderful world for us to live in. And Lord, I just thank you that even though we are selfish human beings and we love to do things our own way and cause problems in this world, you are so good that you are promising a new heavens and a new earth where we won't face things like harmful viruses or sickness and death. And Lord, we just thank you that uh, your heart is one of uh, to give and to see us flourish. And Lord, we just remember to see who you, who, for who you are in this time and not what we feel or are experiencing, because we know that your promises are more than the, the situations we go through. And so, Lord, we just thank you that you are faithful beyond, and uh, we just remember to lift you up. And we ask that you would speak to us today, that uh, we would come away from your word and time with you, and we would be more like Jesus in a very difficult uh, time right now. And Lord, I just pray that uh, we would not isolate ourselves completely, but we would still be reaching out to those that we uh, have been, been connecting with, that we've missed connections with in a long time. Maybe we reach out on the phone or video chat. And Lord, that we would provide the hope, the faith that we have in you with others, that people are scared. And Lord, that they would know that you are good and true, and we would be the ones to show that and share that with others. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If somebody has uh, the YouTube link for Claudia, she's asking for that. If somebody could uh, post that for her. Um, hey, Jeff. All right. So we just wanted to open up with uh, uh, some prayer. And I'm going to be speaking today um, still on the, the general theme of love. But now we're going to be taking a gardening lesson, a little dip into uh, gardening. If you know... What I've been doing lately when I'm stuck at home, the daycares are closed. So Sophia and Gabriel, my two, uh, my three-year-old and my almost two-year-old, are at home with me. And so to keep busy, one of the things I did is I built these planter boxes. 
and I've been all about uh, learning to garden and grow tomatoes and different things, and it's been a real fun learning experience for me through all this. And so when we were uh, talking about love, I just I thought this was a wonderful lesson on gardening and biblical truth. So let's flip over to uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 25. And I'll give you guys a minute to get there. If you're online, just think. You can open another tab and go to like Bible Gateway, Blue Letter Bible, and you can watch or uh, follow your Bible on there. You don't even need a hard copy because you're already on the computer. But I still have mine here. So if you guys wish to join, turn to Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 25. So Paul is speaking here to the church in Galatia. And the church in Galatia has uh, kind of brought in some rules and regulations that are... uh, Oh, I got a message here. It's not on YouTube. Let me see. Uh, If... I definitely am live. There's only five people. There we go. I think maybe the person connected. Um, But yeah, let's hop into Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 25. I say then... Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust, flesh of lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul just gives a nice chunk of some of the symptoms that come as we walk in our flesh. And then he kind of bounces that idea off of this next section of scripture, And he says by the word, but, and when the Bible includes the word, but, just take everything that's kind of been talking, and then now they're leading into the next statement, which is, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And so Paul has these uh, two ideas. He lists this, uh, when you walk according to the flesh, the problems and the things that you're going to face and the symptoms of us walking according to what we decide and what we think is right. And this is not a new theme. This is right from page one of the Bible Uh, Adam and Eve have decided right from the beginning that we're going to use our free will to serve us or to explore what we think will be good, the knowledge of good and evil. And and they've been doing this as humanity, myself included, and unfortunately you as well, have have always uh, had this tendency to walk according to the flesh and what feels right and what would preserve us. But Paul balances that with this idea of the life-giving spirit. And so let's talk about the outcomes of the choices when we are away from him, first of all. So he has a list here. I won't read through all of them, all, but I wanted to point out a few in here that might, might be a little applicable, some of them to me. Um, 
there's one outburst of wrath or anger. Sometimes we all lose our temper. Selfish ambitions, that one stands pretty true for most of us, that we are looking for things that help us or our family alone, and we're not unnecessarily looking to what's best for others. Dissensions or heresies, we come up with truths that we don't even know whether they're true or founded in the Bible, and we spread them around as though they are truth. Um, and he said, and he lists many of them. There's some gnarly ones in there too, but these are all symptoms that come when we're walking away from God's spirit. And there's a real battle within us where we battle our flesh and the way we want to do things and God's spirit and the way we should do things and the way we were created to live and the way the new heavens and the new earth will live. So here's a question for you. What would you like to see in your life? Would you like to see the fruit of the flesh? Or would you rather like to see the fruit of the spirit? And I'll give you a second to think about it. It's a real tough question. Just kidding. I, we all know that's the right, the right answer is that we want to see the things of like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, all these things. We want to see them thrive in our life. And so that's the best choice. And so we think to ourselves, well, how do we get the fruit of the Spirit? It's very simple. <laughs> By faith. And you say, well, how do I get faith to have a spirit? It doesn't make sense. Let's flip over to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 to 14. So how do you know you have the Spirit? Because you have to have the Spirit to have the fruit of the Spirit. Without the Spirit... There is no fruit of the Spirit. So, let's take a look at this. How do we know we have the Spirit? It says, in Him, and it's talking about Jesus. In Him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the good news of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So in one verse, Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 mentions that for us to have the Spirit of God in our lives, we need to believe and have faith in Him. Or in other words, in Jesus. And that it is according to Him and being in His Spirit that we receive it. And it says, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. So what do you believe in? Yeah, a lot of people believe that Jesus existed. A lot of people believe that Jesus was a good teacher. You ask many religions, they all believe that Jesus was a good teacher. Is that belief in Jesus? Is that what gives you the Holy Spirit? No. What he's talking about is he is talking about a faith in Jesus as the perfect sacrifice on behalf of our sin. And that he lived a life perfectly as God's son in full humanity and full Godhead. And he lived it perfectly. And he exemplified what we should do in our lives and then, at the end of his life, humanity, we rejected it like we usually do. And we decided, you know what, Jesus, you're a false prophet. And they crucified him. But they didn't realize that when they did that, they were actually giving us a great victory. Because that death that he paid was on our behalf. And so all the sin that's in our lives, in your life, in mostly my life, actually, not, not so much in yours, just mostly mine, uh, all that sin, when Jesus died and mankind thought they were, and the Satan thought they had finally gotten rid of God's influence in their life, is actually a payment for the sins that we have done. 
And when we put our faith in Jesus, we're putting our faith in that he lived a perfect life and that as we trust in him, we are taking, or sorry, he is taking on our sin. And, put, and when he died, it took the sin away from us. So we're putting our faith not in the fact that he was a good person or a teacher. We're putting our faith in that he was the son of God who lived his life perfectly and that when he was crucified, it was in payment for your sin and it was in payment for my sin. And when we put our faith in that, that is when the Holy Spirit comes in us because we have now committed to Jesus saying, your way is the right way. I accept your gift and I need your Holy Spirit to be able to walk out what you have asked us to do. And that can include some real tough things. And that's why I'm really thankful that the Holy Spirit is with us. And when we put our faith, if you've never done that before, it, it doesn't even need to be an out loud prayer. It can be in your heart or in your head, but it's a realization that you're a sinner, that Jesus paid for it. And when you admit that and you say, Lord, I'm going to serve you with all my life, his spirit enters you and you are filled with that right off the bat. So the first step to having the fruit of the spirit is having the spirit because you can't have fruit if you don't have the plant producing the fruit. And so we're going to be diving a little bit more into the gardening lesson, but the first step, obtain the Spirit to get the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the good part is, many of you might be thinking, well, I, I know Jesus, I've put my faith in him, or maybe this was your first time where you finally are making that commitment to follow him. So it's easy now, right? Now, fruit just happens, right? We don't need to do anything. We can roll over, go to bed. The fruit's going to happen. We have the spirit. It's just going to produce the fruit. But we don't experience it like that, do we? In fact, it seems a lot more complicated than just simply having the spirit, making this commitment, and then coming uh, and going about our life and thinking that uh, it's just going to be all easy. It's not. It's much more complicated. In fact, Paul even makes note that it is complicated and it is a challenge because there's a battle. So let's take a look at uh, uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, and we can see where Paul is actually talking about this. He says, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So, he even says that they are contrary to one another, they war against one another, and they're kind of at a battle between us, the way we want to do things, and the way that God's Spirit is calling us and enabling us to do things. So how does Paul look at this? Well, he says it's actually a little bit like gardening. And uh, you ask yourself, what do you mean? Well, he calls the fruit of the Spirit uh, or sorry, the, the, what the, fr the Spirit produces, fruit. And so he makes this analogy of the fruit. And the, the first thing he says is it's fruit, solo, not fruits. But you're like, but there's a list of things. Well, if you read it, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love. And so the main priority, the main thing that will be produced in your life as you experience God's love is that you will produce love out into your life and into your relationships. And what love looks like? Well, let's read the list. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
That's what the love looks like. The fruit is single, love. But how it manifests itself is in many different ways. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So first we've got to note that it is fruit, and the main fruit that it produces is love. So if, if it's a fruit, do you grow fruit? What, what is your influence in making fruit grow? Do you grow anything? Do you control the sun? Do you move weather patterns and clouds and cause the sun to shine down and, and cause photosynthesis to happen in the plant? Do you cause the genetics and the genes to work the way they do, that they know to uh, drink, bring nutrients up from the soil and that they bring the light energies and convert that into sugars? Can we do any of that? Do we force the seed to germinate? No. In fact, we don't grow, grow fruit at all. The spirit grows the fruit. So you think to yourself, well, Steve, a second ago you said, I have the spirit, I should be producing fruit, but I'm not, and there's nothing I can do about it because the fruit produces itself. How does this work? I'm not giving you a cop-out. I want you to know that we do not grow the fruit, but our role is critical and will result in the fruit because we control the soil. We control the conditions in which the fruit and God's spirit, it's in you. Now you control the conditions of how you want to tend your garden. See, when I was growing up in Canada, my parents, uh, actually, we had this hillside that used to be an old, the old road that our house was on. And so the road would actually used to drive right through our property and it went around. Eventually, they built a new road down uh, way below her. But we had this old gravel kind of path that used to be the old road and went through. And so when we moved into our house, my parents decided, hey, here's a great idea. Steve doesn't need, needs more chores. Let's build terraced gardens along the road of that hillside. And we think we build like six terraces, planter boxes, large ones, like 20 by 20 planter boxes on this old road. And we staggered it up the hill. And we had to haul the dirt up. And we didn't just haul up any dirt. Do you use rocky soil or nutrient-dead soil to, to plant your vegetables in? No. What you end up doing is you want to use things like manure and compost and topsoil, things that have these live nutrients in it. So first thing we had to do was we had to get a nice area for the plants to go in. Then we had to bring the dirt in. We couldn't just use the rocky road gravel soil that was there. We had to wheelbarrow it up the hill, which I can't even tell you how many hundreds and hundreds of wheelbarrows we pushed up that hill to fill these 20 by 20 planter boxes. Me and my brothers worked for, I think it was like a month, every weekend, wheelbarrow after wheelbarrow after trailer load to fill these boxes up the hill. And so it's hard work. But we had to do that. And then what else do you got to do? You got to build your uh, rows. Or actually, first you got to rototill the soil. You got to get out all the weeds and the rocks and the things that don't belong. Then you got to make your rows. You got to put up your trellises. And you got to really tend your garden. Why do we do all that? We can't control what the seed does. That's true. But we can control the conditions and how well that fruit will be produced in our lives. See, our role is just as critical as the seeds. And Jesus gives it in the example of the, of the different soils. There's rocky soil. There's thorny soil. 
The seed produces, but what conditions do you want his spirit to produce in your life will depend on how you take care of your garden. So I wanted to give you this illustration. Here's a story of, uh, of, a, of a woodchuck. And so this, this doesn't actually happen to me, and this is somebody else's story, but I just wanted to share it because it was a good gardening story. And they started the garden, similar like my parents and, and us, putting this all together. And we ended up, or they ended up uh, doing the same thing, doing a few planter boxes. And they started growing their vegetables. Things were going well. And then the next day, or I shouldn't say the next day, once the plants started really producing, then all of a sudden they came out one morning and everything in this one patch was like just destroyed. It looked like something chunky had gone through there and wrecked out the plants, ate the veggies, ate the leaves, and left. And so they uh, decided, well, you know what, let's try and build a fence around it. They tried to build a fence. The next day or a while later, they saw that the fence was like kind of crushed over, like whatever it was had pushed on the fence till it was flattened enough to crawl over and go back in and eat. And then finally, one day, they actually catch the woodchuck, as it turns out, right there in the garden. And they realize that this woodchuck has been destroying their garden this whole time. And they decided, well, you know what we got to do? We'll contact the uh, Humane Society or whatever it was, and we'll get the live trap. We'll trap it, and we'll bring it to them, and we'll just, we got to deal with it. But the thing is, it, when we think about our gardening, there's so much of our lives that we just let the woodchucks come right into our lives and steal the fruit that the Holy Spirit is trying to produce in your life. And so I want you guys to think today and, and think about this. What are the things in your life that you are not guarding or protecting that you need to allow or to remove to see the th fruit of the Spirit thrive in you? And maybe it's a little bit of fertilizer, for example. Maybe it's a little bit more time in prayer or in the Word or just talking with God to be able to see the things in your life that, uh, uh, that he wants you to do that will be a benefit to you. Or maybe he needs to uh, take out some of the weeds. Maybe there's some activities and things that you do in your life that you know that you need to cut back on or eliminate or just spend less time with, you know? There's, there's things like... Uh, oh, I'm sure we've watched a lot of Netflix the last few days. Maybe those are some things that he's saying, no, this isn't good in your garden. These are weeds that are preventing you from growing because they're teaching you wrong things or they're stealing your time in areas that you could be doing better. And so if you're not experiencing the fruit of the Spirit, but you have the Spirit, I want us to humbly take some time and just ask the Lord, are there things in our heart that we need to have you tend in our garden? You know, Israel and uh, in the Old Testament, every seven years they were supposed, well, every seven days they were supposed to rest, and every seven years they were supposed to rest the land as well. No, as, and so there was these cycles of seven. And it says actually in Jeremiah that when they went into exile, it was for 70 years. And that wasn't an, uh, an arbitrary number. It actually says it was the number of the years that Israel never let their land rest the way that God had designed it to be. And I bring this up because right now, we are at a time of resting. There's not a lot of activities that we're going to. A lot of events are slowed down or canceled. And we're spending some time at home. 
And so I want you guys to think about this in, in a time when we're, maybe this is a season where God is saying, this is the seventh number for your life or our life or my life. And we can take a moment and we can say, God, I want to rest and tend my soil and let it do what it needs to do. And so I'm going to take a minute right now and I want you guys to pray and to think, am I producing love in my life? And if not, what is in my garden? What is in my soil that is either choking out that fruit or is the stones in there? Or are there fertilizers that I'm not putting on it that I should? Are there pests that I'm allowing to come in and eat my fruit before it is produced? Am I putting myself in these positions to uh, see it thrive? And so I'm just going to go into a, a moment of prayer, and I want you guys to humbly pray, pray with me too, that the Holy Spirit would guide us into having productive fruit, that we would tend our garden and that we would uh, see it thrive. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us your spirit. We thank you that it was given by grace, that we don't deserve it, that there's nothing we can do to earn it other than believe that you are enough. And so, Lord, I ask that if we don't have that spirit today, if that's something we've never done, that you would place it on whoever's heart today to put their faith in you and to ask for your spirit to enter their life and that they would start walking by the spirit instead of the flesh. And God, I pray that you would reveal in our gardens just the plants or the bugs or the woodchucks that we are letting in that is ruining our production of the fruit. Lord, that we would help keep our hearts and our lives clear that the fruit would grow and thrive and be healthy because the soil is good and the environment that we put it in is good. And so, Lord, I humbly ask that you would reveal things in our lives that we should be doing more of and to also show us the things that we should be avoiding or doing less of. And God, that we would trust that as we take care of that, the fruit will come. We just praise you that your spirit is able to do that in my stubborn, weed, rock-strewn heart. And God, I just ask for your grace to be able to walk that out. And we pray it in Jesus' name. I want to give you guys one, one quick little illustration. Not exactly a gardening illustration, but it was from a, a, a missionary. Uh, you may even have heard me tell this story before. But there was a missionary. He was traveling and he was sharing faith as he was going. And he stopped at one village and he shared with them about Jesus and his sacrifice. And they, most of them responded very well. They loved the message. They, they realized the truth and they came to the Lord and the village was being changed. The missionary traveled to the next nearby village. And when he got there, he did the same thing and he kept going on. And eventually he did his circuit and he ended up coming back to the first village that he started at. Where he met one of the young men that was... Uh, a good friend of his while he was there and one of the young men that really responded well to the gospel and you could see his life was being changed. And now when he came back to see this village again, he realized that this young man was a little bit, you know, under it, a little downcast, a little tired. And he asked him, he said, what is going on? You, 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 see, you seem off. And the young man says to the missionary, he says, I feel like there are two dogs warring in my head. You, you might imagine like the cartoon angels when you're watching Saturday morning cartoons, the good angel and the bad angel on your shoulder and they kind of go back and forth. Well, the way he saw it was not Saturday morning cartoon. He saw it as two dogs. And he says they would fight in his head. There was a good dog 
and there was a bad dog, and they would fight, and, it, and he says they would fight and fight and, t- and try and d- give him direction about what to do in his life, and he was in this real turmoil. And the missionary asked him, he says, well, which dog usually wins? And the man says, the one that I feed the most. And that's exactly what we're learning here as we see in the fruit, is that if we walk according to the flesh, what comes is gnarly, not good things. We walk according to the spirit, we get love and all the other wonderful symptoms that come along with love. And so which one wins when the battle is raging? It's the one that we have taken care of the most. Did you take care of the garden for the spirit or did you take care of and fill your fl- uh, feed your flesh so that it's stronger? So we have some time off. Keep in prayer. Seek the Lord and use this as a time of rest that maybe, I'm not saying we're being, <laughs> it's a punishment. I'm just saying it's a time of rest that we can use to take care of this and we can actually see our growth and that when we come out of this, we will be stronger and we will be closer to the Lord and our fruit will be abundant for all to pick and to see in our lives. So I just wanted to uh, share that with you this morning and uh, let you guys know that next week uh, we're going to try and do live worship with a small group, keeping our social distancing, and we're going to have a live message. It'll be a little bit more than this. And we just thank you that you guys are all online, willing to join us and hang out, and to please email and connect with small groups. Uh, let the church know. We'll connect you onto Zoom. We'll help uh, put that computer program to you. So if you have any questions with that, I'll, I'm happy to help you over the phone and set that up so you can be socializing and fellowshipping with other believers and come out of the, uh, the time of rest very well tended. And so I just want to say aloha. I'll see you guys later. Bye-bye.